This is Dylan FM, a freak music club podcast on Bob Dylan. If you love Dylan, you're in the right place. This season, we're going deep on Time Out of Mind to celebrate its 25th anniversary. Here's your host, Craig Danielov. Welcome to part two of our conversation with Wesley Stace. If you can, I'd recommend that you listen to part one if you haven't already. Wesley Stace is a musician and author who's been putting out compelling albums for 35 years and has become a respected author in the last 10. He also hosts a wonderful musical variety show live in NYC and occasionally other places called The Cabinet of Wonders. I talked with Wes for a video streaming event for our premium members not long ago. In today's episode, we're going to share another small part of that discussion. Like part one, it's a very enjoyable listen, I think, to his thoughts and passions on Bob Dylan. But more than ever, I recommend becoming a plus or premium member at freakmusic.club join so you can hear or see the whole conversation, which was about 90 minutes long. As a member, you'll get extended versions and video access to all of our episodes plus bonus material. It's just a few bucks a month and allows us and our guests to pull all this together. But for now, let's hear part two of our talk with Wesley Stace. And that is, of course, another thing that will that begins here is the silly jokes, like the jokes he was telling on stage about, you know, I used to, I, I had a girlfriend who was a tennis player. Love meant nothing to her, and he used to say these things on stage. People are like, oh, Dylan's telling jokes, hilarious. Well, those jokes suddenly started to appear in the songs. You know, the janitor is going to sweep you off your feet. That joke then becomes a very central theme in the the minstrelsy world of love and theft those silly vaudeville jokes come really front and center you know running for office i mean that you get a lot of that and that's kind of stayed there there's that's still going on on rough and rowdy ways so so that is why time out of mind we can get back to any comp any conversation about late style but th- but the the later style definitely begins with time out of mind what I was going to say was the thing that hits you immediately was the the feeling of sickness on the album. It's all about, you know, I wrote some down the other day, sick in the head, love sick, numb, pain. These are all quotes, you know, scars, dead streets, flesh falling off my face, eyes falling off my face in a different song, nerves exploding, tension, nothing can heal me now, house on fire. You know, those are just random quotes I pulled while listening to it in the car. And then all that's, of course, happening in a world that is apocalyptic, where the storms are coming up, you know, typical apocalyptic stuff, the, you know, the everything's exploding and everything's... There's, the endless, there's endless weather. Yeah, the there's endless up. weather. You know, it's the pathetic fallacy writ large because Dylan's sick, the woman's left him, the weather's very bad. And there's very little that is hope of redemption. Unlike, you know, Every Grain of Sand and The Summertime and the religious albums, there's very little. You get a lot of, he's hanging on to a shadow. I'm looking at my shadow. Don't even hear a murmur of a prayer. He can barely muster the mercy of God must be near. And when he says it, it doesn't sound awfully persuasive. So there's no doubt 
But out of no songs, all those years, if you follow, if you'll accept my interpretation of that, comes a very brutal appraisal of where he's at and where the world is at. And the only moments of redemption are, you know, a a ballad that I really think is lame. Uh, make you feel my love. You know, my friend thinks it's the greatest song in the world and hopes Dylan sings it every show we go to. I don't think much of it at all. I think it's a, you know, doggerel and full of cliches. And why not emotionally yours? Why that and not emotionally yours? Then neither one is better than the other. And the fact that Garth Brooks took it to number one does not recommend it any further to me or that Billy Joel wanted to record it, you know. But it does at least offer a moment of respite in the album. And for that, I think in the totality that I keep going back to, I think that it, it, it even though I don't like it, I think it has a valuable place. And then you get Highlands where there is actually some kind of ecstatic vision, you know, which is that, you know, the Highlands and the Aberdeen waters and the Black Swan. And it's all beautiful. Like this is, and then the, you know, the tawdry reality or, but the charming reality of Dylan actually having communication with another human being at length, making that song I was I was imagining in the car. It's like Brownsville Girl or, well, I'll come back to this, but Brownsville Girl with Clothesline Saga in the middle of it. It's like suddenly in the middle of this big epic, you've got this little close focus scene where every line is delineated, some of them apparently not worth delineating, like Clothesline Saga. But it also, of course, reminds me of the restaurant interaction in 115th Dream, which is the other place I can think of, you know, when, you know, and um, so Highland, and then I thought, what is interesting about those very long Dylan songs is they can never keep focus. Like, Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowland is long, but it keeps its focus. Brownsville Girl is a very, very difficult song to follow, as we know, on every level, and I don't know whether Sam Shepard wrote all of it or Bob Dylan wrote some of it or all of it or you know it's it's unknowable um but Murder Most Foul is a very very long song that starts as one thing and turns into another thing altogether and Highlands does exactly the same thing except the other thing it turns into is right in the middle of the song like a very long beast like a very long bridge and I just thought that was fascinating that if you think of all Lily Rosemary of the Jack of Hearts it keeps focus but it's incomprehensible in a in a way you can't quite follow what's happening in it. It's too much. It's in his head, right? It's like when Dylan tries to explain his guitar playing style in Chronicles. It makes sense to him. Nobody else knows what the fuck he's talking about, but that's what happens when you get autodidacts talking about things that they've persuaded themselves they know how to do, and that, but it's very hard to explain to other people. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm talking about Highlands because what it does offer is a little redemptive how did you feel about the production? I mean, obviously it gives it that sound. You've talked about the vocal mic, which you know, we looked at a bunch with Mark Howard. Uh, now some people weren't a fan of Lenoir's production. Some people think, you know, he made this album, not that the songs weren't great, but he, he's the reason it, it's so distinctive and changed the tune for Dylan. Well, 
I mean, how to say this politely? I I think Lenoir was a very good producer for Bob Dylan because he managed without he managed to make it sound oh I know one thing I was thinking when I was listening to it with bits of it almost sounds like Tom Waits with the clankiness and that is thought of as a modern thing and Lenoir was able to give Dylan that while also allowing Dylan's voice to be right out front so though there is a quite a lot of sound on it and it allows Dylan to be very very in that front and center space so i think he's a very i think both o oh mercy and this album and Dylan obviously agreed otherwise he probably wouldn't have worked with him again are very very successful albums for bob dylan at those two times of his career I also think Lenoir's production of that Neil Young solo guitar album, Le Noise, is sensational. I certainly prefer Love and Theft because I love the clarity of the sound. I don't find, it's not like I'm listening so close to Time Out of Mind, but you can't really tell what's going on. You can hear Augie Myers' keyboard and you can hear the big bass and, and you can hear the guitars kind of away and you can hear that there are, are riffs there, but some of the things happening in the background are quite, they're quite mysterious, aren't they? Probably because they are loops kind of disguised with another drum and with and what I did like about the album when I first heard it, and I remember this very clearly, was like the some of the production decisions, like on trying to get to heaven before they close the door, the delay on the guitar. Chink, chink. That was a bold production decision, but it really sounded great and became kind of the hook of the song. And so uh, I liked the production, though I do not claim to be a big fan of Daniel Don Lenoir, to be honest. But I, 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 I really liked it, and I liked it at the time. Yeah, well, you can't look at Dylan's career and look at those two albums as not being pivotal. Um, and Precisely. Who would argue against it? Although right. you you must you know some people like a you know some people just like a cleaner sound and I must say the way love and the love and theft gets away with being so clean sounding because it's so beautifully arranged. I mean we hadn't heard music as simply beautiful as the guitar introduction and and twiddles on on I keep on saying floater and poor boy but they're so amazing. We hadn't heard th playing that intricate. For, for ages from Dylan and this and it's such a beautifully arranged album this album I think is more if you're I mean I could be completely wrong but to me this album feels more like a studio concoction than that I'm sure players obviously were playing live on it because there's plenty of little bits you might indeed edit out if you wanted an album to be perfect without any mistakes which has never been Dylan's goal has always been obviously vibe and and you know that kind of thing, but it feels more like a studio concoction to me. And I don't say confection; I just mean it feels put together like a lot of it could have happened, you know, when Dylan wasn't there. Once these lyrics were down, but of course, what it did in leaving the voice so out front, which was a brilliant move, and what any Dylan comeback requires, what it did was it put so heavily the focus on the words 
which for the first time were, it seemed to me as the listener, almost entirely eschewing any metaphor, lots of similes kind of, but like they are, the rhymes drop like a clangor. They're very simple lyrics, very straightforward. And he said this in interviews at the time that he wanted you know, it was an unadorned truth. I think he said a good thing I read in the terrific David Gates Newsweek interview, which was the interview I read to kind of prepare for this. But he, I, th- I might have even written it down. He says something wonderful about uh, not a single line is wasted because nothing is there to set up something else. And in other words, there's no, you know, meaningless kind of bridging passages because he's got to get somewhere else. And that's because the late style kind of begins here and there's much more of this interchangeable lyrics, you know, the weather's doing this, I'm feeling that. And some of the rhymes, even Dylan can't really persuade himself. The one about, you know, he's going to take to the road and plunder after thunder. It's like it just he, he can't quite deliver it right because it's so kind of clunky but so many of the words are so the clunkiness the brutality of the way the rhymes land and the simplicity of the words as though all those psychedelic he as though he's really distancing himself from the psychedelicatessen of the of the um you know the 60s and then the more you know, some of the fruitier, more literary language of the 70s. You know, Street Legal is a, an amazing album of lyrics that are really quite overwritten in a fascinating way. But, you know, you always get your new pony second, and here we get that Dirt Road Blues. There's, you often get that. And I think, um, but, you know, the way the lyrics hit, the the straightforwardness of them. And two other things before I forget. One is. Um, in Caribbean Wind, Bob Dylan sings, it certainly was possible as the gay night wore on. That is a very old-fashioned usage of gay. And it is, in fact, a, a you know, it's an on-purposely old-fashioned usage. Gay only means one thing. I remember getting this album, and it blew my mind that he uses the word gay twice on the record. Twice! Both times to be the the wonderful, you know, the old timey, you know, ones, uh, you've got the gay guitar, he's strumming a gay guitar, and there's the line about gay Paris. And both of those are not the gay meaning of gay. And that is a man who at 56 is positioning himself as of the past. The language is of the past. The language of Miss Mary Jane and the Buggy. Sure, he stole it from a folk song. That doesn't matter. But it is language of yesteryear. When he gets into the Timrod poetry, we're going to be getting more of that kind of thing. And a lot of this language is old-fashioned language. And, and that suits the simplicity of the way he's laying the lines down. The, 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 the seeming honesty of every line. I this, I feel this, you did this, the weather did that, I'm sick, the world is sick. And of course, what you most get out of the album is that kind of incredible German weltschmerz. Just the whole world is 
can, the world cannot live up to what's in the singer's head. He's everything makes him we, everything wearies him. His health is sapped. The world is on fire. The women have left him, and there's very little. There's much sorrow and very little redemption. Very little of you know what you're going to get a lot more on on love and and theft in fact and what there was a lot more of before it's a relentlessly depressing album apart from you know as i said before a few funny lines jokes and the the interaction with the waitress and he wants to go to scotland and you know in the very ending the the sort of acceptance so i'm already there in my mind good enough for now yeah but in fact, for most of the album, you do not get that acceptance at all. That's why it's a, that's why Highlands is a good ending for the album and why it's nice to have Make You Feel My Love because the consistency of the, of the worldview, it's really relentless. I mean, you can only imagine Leonard Cohen. Well, no, actually, I think there are a lot of younger writers whom one could, you know, imagine this from. But for those of us, you know, who have heard Dylan coming through in that era of writers, it's pretty amazingly consistently. And, and yet the music isn't always. And one thing I was going to say is also, this is also the beginning of that thing where everything's not as good as it used to be. Because at some point, you know, young men become old men and nostalgia becomes very, uh, very attractive to them. And, you know, there's that line at the end, the sun is beginning to shine on me, but it's not like the sun that used to be. So even when, even when the weather, even when the weather breaks, yeah, it's still not as good. What I'm really interested in, and what you, you said before, this idea of him focusing on the totality Yep. rather than the, than the individual bits. And this being the starting point of that, because I think there's a lot we've um, seen. And actually the stage shows, right? The, them becoming consistent, them becoming, I see them like plays now that he's doing. You know, and, mm-hmm. and he wants to see, can he get the play right? Because it's been architected to say this thing. Um, and I think there's just lots of things in his work where I think you may have uncovered or pointed out it's something that's interesting for us, those of us who look at it, to say, okay, well, because we we tend to look at the details and the niggles and the, you know, this word there. But you're saying if you step back, yeah, he's not doing the niggles; he's doing the bigger thing. We've I've, always I've, known that about him. I'm a, we've always I'm, known. Yeah, I'm a huge. I'm a huge. I, I think I, again. I don't want to put down any rules, but for me, the easiest way to understand. The, easy, the, the most enjoyable way to understand Dylan is to see him as a big picture and a long game player. And the things that appeal, appear eccentric, like, you know, turning up at the Grammys and looking not so great, you know, see, are part of a, a larger game. And I don't mean that in any, in any cynical way, but a larger plan. And Certainly, if you think of this as it's one long song, this album, it's one long song in, in, in the kind of Neil Young sense. And I really th- and I think that's the best way it's understood. And it makes each of its component parts more enjoyable. And I mean, I remember thinking this at the time, certainly nothing that I've 
you know, thought since is particularly changed about it. And love and theft is the same. But I just find it to be, I find love and theft to be such a more beautiful and deeper vision and a man's experience of the world. I find it to me to be, it rings truer and it makes more sense to me. The wide world that's everywhere from, you know, suddenly remembering his mother's died and then his civil war fantasies and the, you know, his household advice and, you know, sugar babe. And it's so, such a big record to me. And I just find time out of mind, which I love to be very relentlessly, thematically relentless. And, and, and I think of it more as a whole thing rather than a lot of little bits. That's it for part two. The conversation continues for another 20 minutes or so. And there's even an extra third bonus episode where Wes tells us all about the Dylan shows he's seen over the last 40 years. If you can, consider becoming a plus or premium member to enjoy all of that and more. Again, my thanks to Wesley Stace for talking with us. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. It really helps. For bonus episodes and more, Become a member at freakmusic.club slash join. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at FMC underscore Dylan. Thanks for listening.